Now who else might have? Let's make a deal. Let's make a deal, Monty. Let's make a deal. This horse is a nag. <laughs> you want to make another deal? All right, we'll take your ten dollars and you can trade for what's behind the curtain. But first of all, let's see who I'm dealing with here. This is Frederick Ungman and Ozzy Malone. All right, Frederick and Ozzy. Let's see what we have for you behind the curtain. And you have yourself a new waffle iron. A waffle iron. <laughs> Don't you have any bedroom furniture back there? Just a minute, Frederick. You haven't seen it all because there's something that goes with the waffle iron. Oh. Right behind there in the curtain. So, you can keep your waffle iron and what's behind it. Mm -hmm. Or... Or... You can have what's under the box. Uh -huh. Or... Another or? Yes, you can have what's in this envelope. And here I have some money and I guarantee you there's at least $100 in cash in there. Take the envelope! <laughs> I don't want to be in I want a bed. <laughs> the envelope. What is it going to be? The envelope or the curtain or the box? The, um, the curtain, uh, the box. Uh, take the money and run. Look at this, folks. Ozzy speaks. This is a very talented horse. It talks at both ends. Hi there. This is Joan Van Ark, and you're listening to TV Confidential. Monty, why do you think Let's Make a Deal continues to connect with people? Well, first of all, it's a very colorful show. Mm -hmm. You know, people wear outfits and they're very happy and there's electricity in the room. And when you're at home watching the show, you could put yourself in the place of the contestant. Would you go for the door? Would you, would you trade in the box? Would you make this decision? And as long as the person at home is in a position where he has to make a decision himself, mm -hmm. he identifies with the contestant. So if he, you're sitting over saying, don't do it, don't do it, you go for it, don't go for it. You're yelling at the television mm -hmm. set, and you put yourself in the position of the contestant. And, and in so doing, you create exactly the, the type of situation that, that makes any game show work, which is you hook the audience involved, and it's, it's, it's almost like they're watching a live sporting event. That's correct. That is very correct. And, uh, and, also, and, and also, the fact that we have put into the show not only prizes, but zonks. Mm -hmm. So that you could give up a, a wonderful trip to Europe and end up with uh, hard-boiled eggs, you know. That adds a flavor to the show as well. Or in the case of Felix and Oscar, when you did that famous episode of, of The Odd Couple, you could lose $1,000 and end up with a bunch of canned squid. Yeah, that's right. They, <laughs> they, uh, you know, the funny thing about that show is that we wrote that show on the set. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I mean, uh, Gary Marshall came to me and he said, listen, we know the outline of the show but you've got to help us with the let's make a deal part. So we were, we were ad-libbing and making our way into that portion of the show. They didn't tell me how it was going to end. They pulled that squid on me. <laughs> but that, that touches on, on another question I want to ask you, because a couple of years ago, uh, we had Jack Klugman on the program. And Jack was talking about how he and Tony worked together when they did The Odd Couple, especially when they filmed it live. And Jack said that Tony was really good at provoking responses from Jack. And that's and, and, and a lot of the interplay you saw on the show was ad-libbed based on one... Absolutely. Well, that, that happened when I was on the show with them, mm -hmm. because that portion of Let's Make a Deal, you know, they knew that I was going to come down and Jack would say to Tony, you've got to get his attention, you've got to get his attention you know, so that we can make a deal and so on. But we, we ad-libbed that whole part. Mm -hmm. We ad-libbed the whole part. 
then I did a second episode with the, the Odd Couple, mm-hmm. in which I I'm a guest on I guess I'm a guest on Jack Klugman's show, mm-hmm. and when the show was over, I start to sing and whistle Tony's theme song. That was a complete ad lib. Well, it, it may have been ad lib, but the fun thing, you know, just just learning about your career is, I mean, I know you sang you sang on Video Village, but uh, uh, music was in your blood because your mom was a singer, was she not? My mother. Mm-hmm. My mother was an actress and a singer, and she entertained the the, uh, the troops in World War One, as I did in World War Two. With, with the troop show. Did you always have a desire to be in in the entertainment industry, or did that come about because opportunity to, uh, brought you there? With with me, you mean? Yeah, with you. Well, you know, I was I was going to school. I was I was hoping to get into medical school. Mm-hmm. And uh, while I was waiting for an acceptance, I was working at the radio station at night. And of course, start when I was working at the radio station, I started making forty dollars a week. While my father in the meat market was making twenty dollars a week, so I said, "Boy, this is great! If I can make forty dollars a week at halftime, yeah, <laughs> I, I can make this my profession." Yeah, of course, you, you didn't study broadcasting per se when you were in school. You studied you, you studied a different subject altogether. But my guess is, I mean, I think, think you studied either science or zoology. Is that correct? I, I got a bachelor of science degree with a, a major in. Chemistry and a minor in zoology. Well, where, where I'm going with this is you're, you're going to school, but you're working. You, you mentioned, you know, one of your first jobs was scrubbing the floors. I mean, that's... Yeah, that, that was when I, when I dropped out of school. You know, when I finished high school, mm-hmm. I had no money to go on. Mm-hmm. I, I worked at my dad's meat market for a couple of years. Of, we raised enough money, $150, to pay tuition for mm-hmm. one year, and then ran out of money in the second year, and that's when I went to work in that wholesale, and that's when that man discovered me. And I'm I'm just thinking aloud here, Monty. But you know, because you came from a modest background, you worked a lot of you know uh, menial jobs while you, while you're making your mark in radio. I th- I think you know that that always made you, you you never forgot that. I mean, you and so that those those were, that was one of the great things about Let's Make a Deal, for example, because the way you you know talked to the various contestants, putting them at ease, because you were an everyman. I mean, you're a very you're a successful person, but you're an everyman. Well, that's true. I, I identified with these people because uh, uh, these are the people that I knew growing up. Yeah. I identified with, you know, because I was so ill when I was youngster, I identified with people who were, you know, who were not feeling too well, I, with the poor, with the disadvantaged, because I was one of them. But, but it gives you a feeling for people. And, of course, all my life, you know, outside of television, I've been doing charity work, mm-hmm. because that's, that's what I do most of it, raising money for my various charities. And that's because of my background. Well, one of the things we talk about on the show are are celebrities such as you, who you know who use their fame to achieve good purposes. I mean, it's the the money is good, the notoriety is good, but it's it's doing something with it that you know, such as the various uh, charities you've talked about. And I know you I, I know you work with a lot of children's groups. At least I believe I if I read that. Yeah, I'm correctly. the international chairman of the variety, the children's charity. Yeah. So you know, you're I'm just guessing here. I mean that that has to be as satisfying, if not even more satisfying than than your contributions. Well, of course, of course. Yeah. Uh, you know, when, when you analyze my life, uh, you break it down into into three sections. First of all, there's my family, which is number one. Mm-hmm. And then there are my charities, which is number two, and television is number three. But I've never forgotten there was television that allowed me to do number two. Absolutely. And then, then that, of course, is so important to me. And in my 
Well, in, in my 65 years of raising money, I've raised over a billion dollars. That's with a B, you know. Mm -hmm. and, and that gives me great satisfaction to be able to see what I've done with my life. Of course, I'm, I'm very happy about my television career, but that was the avenue by which I could do all these other things. And uh, we're grateful that you're, you're spending part of your time with us today. 45 Years of the Rockford Files, revised third edition. The complete history of the Rockford Files on television, now completely updated with more than 20 new interviews, additional photographs, and a whole lot more. 45 Years of the Rockford Files, available now at rockford45.com, rockford45.com. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411. Or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.